I want to call us to serve. We want to sing our prayers and as a way to process. And so Pastor Ben just led us through some songs of prayers. We're going to close out this service with one as well. And then we're going to search. And so just to remind you, if you missed the beginning, I want to call you to serve. We encourage you to look up Transform Minnesota and support the cities and check out those two organizations. And today, this afternoon, some of you are probably skipping church right now. I'm sure many of the people in our church are skipping the live stream to go and serve. And I think that's a great thing. That's a Christ-like thing to do. We're not all about our online numbers and attendance, but about people being the people of God. And so... Um, we want to call you to action to go and serve. And so check out Transform Minnesota and support the cities. Again, secondly, sing. We just sang as prayer, a prayer and a way to process our emotions. We're going to do that again. But right now I want to pause on those two things and search God's word. And so I'm going to try not to say, I'm going to try to limit my own words and look at God's word. I'm going to ask if you're comfortable and willing and able to where you are, stand. We're going to look at Psalm 30. And Psalm 130 and 131, we're going to read these two psalms together, and then we're going to talk about what it means to lament the effects of sin in our world. And so if you could stand with me where you're at and follow along as I read God's word, Psalm 130 and 131. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. Well, sin is a destroyer. It wreaks havoc on the image of God in his creation, mankind. It shatters trust it breaks community, and it breaks communion. As we wrap up our Learning to Lament series today, we're going to look at these two psalms, Psalm 130 and 131, and learn how to lament the effects of sin in our world. The extreme things that we've seen this week are the result of sin. They are the effects of sin in our world. Injustice, racism, oppression, rioting, looting, violence, these are sin. Now, we have these cultural words that we use for them, and, and, and sin takes on these cultural expressions, much like I just mentioned, but the root of these issues is sin. It's missing the mark. It's, it's mankind, us, who are created in the image of God, who have chosen to put our self, our comfort, our 
our idols before God, and sin wreaks havoc on the world and on the image bearers of God who fill the earth. Sin is a destroyer. And so today I want to look at these two passages and and look at four actions that the psalm calls us to take as we learn how to lament the effects of sin. See, there's as we've gone through this Learning to Lament series, there's many different reasons for why we suffer. Some things are out of our control. There's, there's just brokenness in the world and some things happen to us. We do things to others. Um, there's multiple reasons of why we suffer. One of the common reasons of our suffering is the effects of sin. Whether it be our own sin or the sin of others, the world is filled with sin and sin has effects. Sin has consequences. And so when you and I are in positions of, of brokenness, of vulnerability, of suffering, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it's directly connected to our sin. And we haven't really dealt with that in this Learning to Lament series so far. Mostly it's been about like circumstances that you just can't control. Um, You find yourself in the middle of COVID. I don't think that suffering is a direct correlation to your personal sin. There may be some bigger cultural things that God's trying to discipline us of, but I don't think that you've been quarantined as a direct result of your sin. And so we've talked a lot about that, kind of these things that happen that that we have no control over, and how do we lament those type of things, health diagnoses that are out of our control, um, different various things that we can't, Change, But what we haven't dove into is how sin wreaks havoc in our lives and our world and how we lament the effects of sin. Like a lot of what is happening this week in the Twin Cities and now around our nation are the effects of sin. Sin taking the form of many different things. And so Psalm 30, 130 and 131, I think, gives us a good pathway, a good some good action steps for how to lament the effects of sin. The first one, the first way that we lament the effects of sin is to cry out for mercy. Look at Psalm 130, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. This psalmist is actually lamenting and crying out to God in the midst of the effects of sin. And so it meets us very appropriately here this morning. And what is the first thing that the psalmist does? He cries out for mercy. One of the best responses that I've seen from some of my friends over the years to different tragedies is to just cry out, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We're broken. The world is broken. It's shattered. Lord, have mercy. Out of the depths we cry to you. We feel like we're being buried, like, like, like there's no hope for us. All we can do is muster up enough voice to cry out, Lord, have mercy. And to have mercy, to, for us to ask God, to cry out for God to have mercy. I love this about the, the word mercy. It's strength under control. It, it's strength 
I, I often think about when I was a, a kid and a teenager wrestling with like my dad or some of my uncles or some of my older friends. We would wrestle and I would always get beat up because I was younger at the time. And um, I, think I, could, I think I could pin my dad now. But when I was a kid, he would always pin me. And, and you, you, you like cry uncle or you tap for mercy. And it's because the person who has more power, more control, or they're just in a position of control, they're able to let up and show mercy. It's strength under control. It's strength used for good. And so when we are dealing with the effects of sin, what, what the psalmist here is doing, he's acknowledging that God is strong, God is powerful, God is in control. And he's crying out, God Use your power, use your strength for my good. Let up on this situation. Show your mercy. Withhold your righteous judgment for a season and bring righteousness, but, but God, please, in this moment, show me mercy. And as we deal with the effects of sin, whether it be in society or in our own soul, one of the ways that we respond and we lament the effects of the sin in our own life and in our world is to say, God, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Secondly, we see that the psalmist admits fault. Verse 3. He says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? See, the reality is we are all guilty of sin. We experience the effects of sin in our life because we are all guilty of sin. I don't know what particular sin patterns you're guilty of. I struggle to even know all of the sin patterns that I'm guilty of. I love one of the other psalms that says, Lord, reveal to me the, the hidden sins. See, see we, we are so constructed by a fallen and broken world that we have thought patterns and ways of acting and ways of responding to things that we're not even aware of. And so when something happens on a national scene like it has this last week or even just in your own personal life, it's so easy for us. The human response is to point the finger. Say, look at what they did. Look at what they did. Look at these people. Look at those people. Look at this situation. It's out of control. How can these people do this? And the psalmist is telling us that if God should mark iniquities, iniquity means sin, it means missing the mark, it means wrongdoing. Oh Lord, who could stand? I couldn't. If God was to hold my sin against me, I would be destroyed. I am deserving of God's punishment. And so when we're learning to lament the effects of sin, I think we need to follow the pattern of the psalmist here, not point the finger outward at everyone else, but I think we need to turn it inward and say, God, search me and know me. Reveal to me my hidden faults. I admit to you that I am a sinner in need of your mercy. Out of the depths of my own sin, I cry to you, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, because without your mercy, I couldn't stand. So maybe we slow down on passing judgment to other people who are struggling and suffering and dealing with the effects of sin in different ways than we do. And maybe we say, God, start with me. Deal with me. Have mercy with me, for I want to stand in your presence. 
And if you're not merciful to me, I have no chance of standing in your presence. And I have no chance of, of bringing justice and righteousness to your world. So deal with me. And then he follows it up. Here's how God deals with us when we come to him and cry out for mercy. He offers us forgiveness. Our action step to take is to receive this. Look at verse four. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And so when we're dealing with the effects of sin, we cry out for mercy, we admit fault. God, if you're not merciful, there's no way that I stand. I'm not righteous, I'm not pure, I'm not holy, I'm no better than anyone else. I see the effects of sin out there, but, but I've got it in here. And in fact, I've contributed to that in countless ways that I can't even quantify. Maybe it was actively, maybe it was passively. But I'm part of the problem. So God, have mercy on me, because if you don't have mercy on me, I can't stand. But then look at verse 4. But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. And this word feared means that he would be revered, that he would be worshipped, that he would be respected. Like Ecclesiastes 5 said, that we, we come to him with words that are few, because he is in heaven and we are on earth. He is God. We are his creation. And so we worship him. And, and we, we fear him, this reverence, this respect, this worship, Ultimately, because of who he is, the righteous, just one, the powerful one, who's now granted us mercy. When we cry out for mercy, he grants us his mercy, and then he forgives us. He allows us to stand. Verse 3 says that if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, if you would keep a list of my sins and hold it against me, I have no chance. But I've cried out to you for mercy. You haven't kept a list of my wrongdoings. You haven't counted them against me. We're going to talk about this in just a minute in a, at a deeper level, but you've put it on your son, Jesus. You took my list of wrongdoings. You did keep a list of my iniquities. You know all of them full well. And your son, Jesus, paid the price for my sin. You were merciful to me. You put it on your son, and now I have received forgiveness. But with you, there is forgiveness. And now that I understand that I'm forgiven, I've received this free gift of forgiveness from you, I fear you. I worship you. I respect you. I see how glorious and good and gracious and merciful you are. For you showed me mercy. And then lastly, this psalm teaches us to wait on the Lord with hope and humility. So let's finish out this text here. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. See, again, he will redeem us from our iniquities. He will, he will be merciful to us. He will forgive us. The psalmist here is saying, in the midst of dealing with the effects of sin, you don't have to rush to figure it all out. You don't have to rush to get it all right. You don't have to deal with every little nuance of every little sin 
that you've committed or, that, or the effects of the sin in the world all at once. Wait on the Lord. Let him reveal to you things over time. Let him direct you where to go, what to say, how to say it, when to speak, when not to speak, what to do, where to do it, how to do it. Wait on the Lord. This waiting for some of you may mean like 30 seconds. Yep, I waited, boom, he gave me a direction, I'm going for it. For some of you, it might mean 30 days. We're all wired differently. The the key here is that we respond to the effects of sin as God directs us through his spirit within us to respond to the effects of sin in our own life and in the world. Some people, I, I know this from personal pastoral experience, some people when they're convicted of their sin, like, I'm going to just deal with inward sin here. I'm not going to talk about the sins and culture and surrounding us right now. But I know that some people, when they're convicted personally of internal sin, they, they, like, they get very angry and expressive about it and they want to kind of like punish themselves and chastise themselves and other people just take it in stride like, wow, God revealed this to me and I repented of it and I, I want to move on. We deal with things differently. God reveals things to us differently. And the psalmist here is saying that one of the steps to take when we're lamenting the effects of sin is to wait on God. Again, differently for every one of us. Some of you are right there. You're in the action now. You're cleaning up the streets. You're, you're activists. You're engaged. Others are taking a slower approach. You're trying to figure out, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? How can I use my gifts, my talents, what God has wired me to do to care for others? God's wired all of us differently, and so it's going to look very different how we respond to the effects of sin as we wait on the Lord. And we wait on the Lord with hope, hope in his word. I wait for the Lord, verse 5, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Watchmen were placed in the ancient cities, on the walls, up in towers, to watch in the night sky for for terror, for evil, for opposition coming. And and so the psalmist here is saying that that we can watch, we can look, we we can keep our eyes open. And as we do, we wait for the Lord. Watchmen's job wasn't to do much of anything other than to just report what they saw happening. And so in an ancient city, if a watchman saw an army coming, they wouldn't get out the, the, uh, the weapons of warfare and, and attack. They would notify other people and they would assemble the army. A watchman simply just waits, they watches, they report what they see. And this is what the psalmist is saying. When we see the effects of sin in our own life and in the world, We need to wait on the Lord and allow him to reveal to us what's really happening and how we ought to respond. And he says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption. He will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. And then I love Psalm 131, how it just kind of, it ties into Psalm 130. And it shows us that we wait on the Lord with both hope Hopeful for the future, for God will carry us through. There is a better day coming. In fact, the end of the book tells us that in the future, when when Christ returns, there will be no more pain or suffering or tears anymore, for the former things have passed away. Behold, I am making all things new. That's a promise. If you are in Christ, there is a day where there will be no more effects of sin. 
One of my favorite sermons comes from a pastor down in Oklahoma. His name is Sam Storms. And just, I love the title. It's, Oh, That Day When No More Sinning. Church, we wait on the Lord because, in, in hope, because there is a day when we will live without the effects of sin. Can you imagine? Lord, hasten that day. But as we wait for that day, we wait in hope, regardless of the circumstances, we fight for hope, we keep the eternal outlook, and we do it in humility. 131 verse 1, O Lord, my heart is not lifted high. My eyes are not raised too high. Those are expressions. If your heart is lifted high or your eyes are raised too high, it means you're haughty, you're proud. So the psalmist is saying when we're seeing the effects of sin, we need to wait on the Lord with hope and humility. My eyes aren't lifted too high. My heart is not lifted up. I do not occupy myself with things too great and marvelous for me. There's things that we just don't understand. We need to work to understand what we can and care where we can and learn what we can. There's things about God that we will never understand this side of being with him. And there's things about the effects of sin in this world that we cannot grasp. We're just, and again, all of us are wired differently. Some of you are wired to engage politically and to change society. Some of you are wired to just do it personally with your neighbors and friends. And so allow people to express themselves different and to lament the effects of sin and to engage and work towards change when they see the effects of sin in different ways. But I think there's a good reminder here in this passage for us to be humbled before the Lord. God, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and marvelous for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And when my son Judah was first born until a nine-month-old, he wanted nothing to do with me. I didn't have the goods. I couldn't give him the food that he needed. He wanted his mom. He wanted to be with his mom. He was calm and quiet with her. He was dependent on her for his sustenance, for his life. Thankfully, after nine months, he couldn't get enough of me, and we have an amazing relationship. I love you, buddy, if you're still watching. But that's the picture here, that, that we are dependent on God. That when we wait on him with hope and humility, we're able, to, we're able to rest in his embrace. The world is broken. The world is harsh. We don't always know how to engage that. The effects of sin are real and devastating in our own lives, in our spheres of influence, and in the world. And God here is inviting us as we see the effects of sin and as we learn to deal with the effects of sin to come into his presence and to rest, to be calm, to be quiet. And you can go now and engage a broken world with the peace of God. You can, you can raise your voice in protest. You can push a broom with some anger and some angst. You can do that, but internally, 
God, you are good. I have hope, and, and externally as well, right? There's a level of acceptability. And we know that we're okay because our Father has quieted our soul. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Then he closes out, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. And so these are some action steps for us to take this week as we, as we see the devastating effects of sin in our world, but then also any day as you deal with the effects of sin in your own life, as you walk through that, cry out to God for mercy, admit your own fault, stop pointing the finger outward, turn it inward, say, God, reveal in me what needs to be repented of, what needs to be dealt with, receive his forgiveness, wait on him with hope and humility. And so let's come back to the idea of receiving his forgiveness as we prepare for communion.